today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Romans. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with us, because I know it's going to be a blessing to you. in the book of Romans up to this point Paul has given us man's problem which is the sin nature he gives us the solution to the problem which is faith in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in chapter 6 of Romans he gives us the mechanics of our Christian experience what takes place when we get saved how we're brought into union with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 7, we have uh, a life of spiritual failure. And Paul gives us the wrench in the machinery that messes up everything. And, And here's the thing. Every unsaved person has some idea, whether it be right or wrong, They have some idea as to how a Christian should be behaving themselves, okay? Well, then that unsaved person gets saved, and they start going to church and and whatnot, and then they set out to try to live up to that particular standard that they've got in their mind, whether that standard be right or wrong, see? And Paul, being raised a Jew, a Pharisee, raised under uh, one of the most educated leaders of his day, Gamaliel, he knew the law of God. And when he got saved and was filled with the Spirit, he tried with everything he had to try to live for God and to try to keep that law. And he found himself continuously failing the Lord. He said there, if you look in verse 11 of Romans chapter 7, he said, it slew me. In other words, I didn't have a fighting chance. Every time I tried to keep the law, I kept falling flat on my face. And in the seventh chapter, he's giving us his personal experience of trying to live for God by law keeping. He said in verse 8, Romans 7 verse 8, that the sin nature taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, the sin nature revived and I died. When Paul got saved, he states here twice in these verses that the law had absolutely nothing 
to do with it. He said, the sin nature was dead and I was alive. That's the born again experience when we're made alive unto God. That's what we all experience when we get saved and the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts and lives. The Holy Spirit had come into Paul's life and when the Holy Spirit comes inside of a person, the first thing he does is overpower the sin nature. He binds up that sin nature, renders it ineffective, and it is as good as dead. But Paul said, when the commandment came, when I started focusing on the law, when I set out to try to live up to that particular standard that I had in my mind of what I thought a Christian should be, he said, the sin nature revived and I died. He said there in verse 8 that it wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. That's the sin nature starting to act out once again in his life. It was running full throttle with him committing one sinful act after the other. And Paul said, I don't understand why this is happening to me. If you look there at verse 15, he said, For that which I do, I allow not. That word allow simply means understand. I understand not. For what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that do I. God allows all of us to go through Romans chapter 7. Now I want you to understand that. God intends for us to go through it, not to stay in it. Understand that. We do not have to buy curtains and furniture and stay in Romans chapter 7. God intends for us to move on to Romans chapter 8, the more abundant life where the Holy Spirit is working and living in us a life that is pleasing to God. Now, like I said, God will allow us all to go through it, and He allows us to go through it because there are things that we cannot learn any other way. We're hard-headed. Look at your neighbor tonight and tell them you're hard-headed. <laughs> no, look right straight at me. <laughs> We're going to have divorce next week, just to show the world. He said there in verse 18, Romans 7, verse 18, For I know that in me, this is after Paul had failed, the Lord showed him something here. He said, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. From the time we're born... And growing on, uh, we're taught to feed ourselves, clothe ourselves, and so forth. The problem is we eventually come to a place to where we do everything by ourselves and we depend too much on this flesh. And this flesh cannot perform that which is spiritual. It has been severely weakened because of the fall. Paul said there in verse 14, Romans 7 verse 14, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Even our own willpower is not enough. He said there in verse 18, For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. And as he closes out 
this chapter in verse 24. He said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Paul likens his situation to the Egyptians. Back in their history, they would take a criminal and tie him to a dead corpse. Now, you think of that. Back in Egyptian history, they would take a criminal and, and understand that this man, whoever it was, had to have done something mighty bad. But they would physically tie him to a dead corpse. And they knew exactly what was going to happen. They were condemned. If they didn't get away from that dead body, they knew what was coming. They knew that it was going to kill them. Paul says here in this verse, pretty much, I am bound to this dead body of flesh. And you can feel and sense the condemnation that Paul is going through at this time as he cries out, seeking God for answers and for help. And we don't know how long Paul was in this particular situation of failing God, sinning and repenting. Now, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us. Okay? But when we turn right around a day or so later or a couple of hours later and we find ourselves doing the exact same thing again, yes, we can ask God to forgive us and He will forgive us. But I want you to understand that is not where God wants us to be. That is not living the more abundant life that God wants us to have, that Jesus paid a horrible price us to have. Now, much of Christianity today has pretty much accepted this as normal Christian experience. And it is normal for us to go through it, but not to stay there. Understand what I'm saying. God allows us to go through it to teach us that there is nothing good in this flesh. And what God demands is spiritual, and it can only be carried out through and by the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Paul went through this situation, and it caused him to seek God. How many of you know that, you know, we like to put our Christian experience on cruise control? You know cruise control on your car. You see the speed limit and you get it set just right and you mash that button and you just take your foot off the accelerator and just kick back and you're on cruise. Well, cruise control is not going to ultimately get you where you need to be. Okay? And when you got the cruise control set and somebody pulls in front of you and slams on the brake... You're going to have to wake up and hit the brakes. Don't you going to run into the back of somebody. And God allows stuff to happen to get us out of that mode of cruise control. How many of you know when bad things happen, you start seeking God, you, you start praying to the Lord a little more than you normally do? 
Is anybody, is anybody awake in here tonight? Is this, is this too much for you on a Wednesday night? Okay. Well, God has to allow things in our lives to get us to seek Him, and that's what happened with Paul. This failure, one time right after the other, he was seeking God, and God finally gave him the meaning of the new covenant. And he has given it to us right here in the book of Romans. He said there in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. This verse gives us the answer to Paul's question in Romans seven twenty four: Who shall deliver me? In Romans chapter 5, we see the word condemnation is used with all who are in Adam. In this chapter, there is no condemnation for all who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. No condemnation now. Not in eternity one day when the Lord calls you home. There's no condemnation now. Alright? What is condemnation? A lot of times we like to think of condemnation as an emotion. Condemnation is not an emotion. It is a state. There are people in prison right now on death row, and they have been condemned to the electric chair, lethal injection, or some other means for the crimes that they have committed. Now, you can imagine the emotions that they're feeling, especially as the time draws near for them to take them into that room strap them to the table, and pull the switch. You can imagine the emotions that come along with that. I remember back years ago when the state of Tennessee abolished the death penalty. Dan Rather took a news crew into a particular prison there and went in uh, to that area where death row inmates were kept, and the warden opened up the cell, and Dan Rather stood there, and the cameraman stood there, and there was a black man standing there in the prison. And Dan Rather said, Your sentence has been commuted from death to life. That man was sentenced to die at 12 o'clock that night. And just a few hours before they were to take him into that room and pull the switch, the state of Tennessee abolished the death penalty. Imagine the emotions of that man. That man stood there with tears streaming down his cheeks saying, Thank God. Thank God. There is now no condemnation for them who are in Christ Jesus. We were condemned to spend eternity in hell. But Jesus Christ abolished death. He abolished 
the death penalty by taking our place. All right. Verse 1 again. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So if you're saved, and you're walking after the flesh as Paul was in Romans chapter 7, trying to keep the law or live up to some kind of standard that you've set in your mind, and you're trying to do this thing within your own strength and ability, you're walking in the flesh, and you're going to experience condemnation because you're going to fail. The flesh simply cannot perform that which is spiritual. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. That's why we must walk after the Spirit. We have to order our behavior after the Spirit. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Romans 8 verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life. This is a law. Just like the law of gravity. If I... If I take this pen right here, and I let go of it, what's it going to do? It's, it's going to fall to the floor. Yeah. See me after church. <laughs> it is a law. This is a law of God, just as sure as the law of gravity works every time. This is a law of the Holy Spirit and this is how the Holy Spirit works. This is how the Holy Spirit is able to speak to us. This is how the Holy Spirit works within our hearts and lives. It is a law. Now, how does it work? Let's take a look at this. He is the Spirit of life. Spirit of life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. There is no life outside of the Holy Spirit. And He only works in those who are in Christ Jesus. How are we in Christ Jesus? By faith. Faith in what? Faith in Jesus Christ and what He did at the cross. That's exactly right. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. How were we baptized into His death? By faith. In the mind of God, when Jesus died on Calvary, we died with Him. We were buried with him by baptism in the death. And when he was raised in, in, and come up out of that tomb, we were raised with him. That's the mechanics of our Christian experience. It's all by faith. And the Holy Spirit works with those who are in Christ Jesus. You have to be saved. 
You have to be saved before the Holy Spirit can work in your life. And understand this, it's not just the one-time thing where you initially got saved. It is a daily thing where you get up every day and you, you rededicate yourself to the Lord and you take up the cross daily. And the cross is a heavy thing. The cross is a heavy thing and it's going to take two hands to take it up. And you cannot hold to this over here self-efforts and try to take up the cross too. You're going to have to let go of that and embrace the cross totally, absolutely, and completely. And he said that he would supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. All right. Paul said that this is the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and it has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is a very powerful law. It is the first law that God set in place. He told Adam, there's a tree over there. Don't mess with it. For in the day you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. And we all know the story. Adam sold us out to sin when he partook of that tree. Now all of us are born in bondage to the sin nature. But here's the thing. We do not have to stay in that bondage. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. My faith in Jesus Christ is the active ingredient that causes the Holy Spirit to work in my life. And it is more powerful than the law of sin and death. Gravity is a powerful thing. But there's one thing right now that overrides the law of gravity, and what is that? My two fingers holding this pen right now. That law is more powerful than gravity. Now, if this pen were to miraculously increase to about 300 pounds, we may have a problem. I don't think I'm going to be able to hold it with two fingers. But you don't have to worry about anything overriding the law of the spirit of life. It will hold, but it'll only hold as you keep your faith anchored in Christ. Because that's where everything took place right there at the cross. All right, take a look at verse 3, Romans 8, verse 3. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak, through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Now, let me ask this question. Let's look at that first little phrase there, for what the law could not do. Now, Paul is referring here to the law of Moses, and what exactly could the law of Moses not do? He tells us in this verse, condemn sin in the flesh. The law condemns the individual because the law requires obedience. And how many of you know that the flesh is weak? And the flesh cannot keep that which is spiritual. 
That's what he's been telling us here. The, the flesh has been so weakened because of the fall, we cannot. You may be able to keep one of God's commandments, but I guarantee you there's one of them ten that you're going to break. And even after you're saved. And even the tenth commandment, this is the one that Paul was having a problem with, thou shalt not covet. There was something that somebody else had, and Paul wanted it. And that you know, and, and here and here's the thing: the, the the tenth commandment says this right here. It is not enough for you to physically keep God's law. If you so much as have a desire to break God's law, you've sinned. You've broken God's law. And Jesus said, if a man even looks at a woman and lusts after her, he's already committed adultery in his heart. So one of them Ten Commandments is going to get you. See? And the flesh is weak. And the law demands obedience. And the only way that we can keep it is in our flesh. And the flesh can't do it. All right. In that it was weak. Through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Here we have God's solution to the sin problem. It's Jesus Christ. And that's it. That's all that was needed. I want you to see here the tremendous love that God has for mankind. God sent his own son as well. Jesus was willing to take upon himself sinful flesh. It's like a man being condemned to a corpse like the Egyptians did way back when. We have a man who has committed a crime and they have condemned him to a dead body. They've got him strapped to it. But somebody came up and said, I'm going to take his place. Strap me to that dead body. Jesus took upon himself sinful flesh. Flesh that was going to die. Same thing. Jesus was willing to have himself strapped to a dead body for you and I. He took our place. He said, if you will, look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh. And in Hebrews 4 and verse 15, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He took upon himself the likeness of sinful flesh. It didn't say that Jesus sinned. He took upon himself the likeness of sinful flesh. And Jesus is our great high priest. It says here in, in Hebrews 4 verse 15 that we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Jesus Christ faced everything that we as human beings face and then some. Why? Because of sin. He came to condemn sin 
in the flesh. John the Baptist, when he introduced Christ, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Never before had such a statement been made. Because all lambs could do in the Old Testament was to cover sin. That's all those lambs could do. The, 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 the blood of bulls and goats was not enough to take away sin. It could only cover it. The Old Testament saints were saved on credit. Pretty much. Y'all know what a credit card is. I know you ladies do. <laughs> oh, I'm getting some evil looks now. Let me leave that alone. The Old Testament saints... <laughs> Oh, they're going to run me out of here tonight. The Old Testament saints were saved on credit because they looked forward to a time when the sin debt was going to be paid. God said, you bring that lamb, and when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. He knew that in the future, his son, Jesus Christ, was going to come into the world and die on the cross for our sins. Old Testament saints, they looked forward and were saved on credit. You and I today, we look back at what Jesus has already done. It's already been paid in full. And there's nothing left standing for us to do but just simply put our trust and faith in what He did. Jesus Christ destroyed the power of sin. He dethroned death and defeated Satan. He condemned sin and all of its power. He broke its hold over the human race. Romans 8 verse 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now several things are said here. And I'm not going to have time to get into all of it tonight. But one thing I want to say here about it tonight. The sin nature had to be addressed before the righteousness of the law could be fulfilled in us. The sin nature had to be shut down, see. And, you know, I gave this illustration some time ago about an oil line that blowed out on a, on a machine, and that pump was just pumping oil everywhere. Well, the first thing you do is shut the pump down. And once you shut the pump down, then you can begin the cleanup process. Well, in order for God to perform His righteousness in our lives and do the cleanup that we need, the sin nature has to be shut down. And that's the first thing that takes place the moment we get saved. The Holy Spirit comes inside and renders that sin nature ineffective. And we're going to deal with this verse a little bit more next week. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com Click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.